This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Wabihi Nasta'in, Wa Nusalli, Wa Nusallimu Ala Afdalil Khalqi Ajma'in. Nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa tabi'ina wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddini wa ba'd. We commence by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sending blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and all his companions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless his entire household and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless every single one of us and grant us every form of goodness. Beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, we heard yesterday about the victory of Mecca and how the Prophet ﷺ forgave all of those who had committed murder and all of those who had committed grave crimes, those who had been fighting the Muslims for many, many years. And how he had asked them the question, what do you think I'm going to do to you today? And perhaps a lot of things crossed their minds. But they had hope and they knew this man was a very, very honored man, honorable man. And this is when he says, Idhabu fa'antumut tulaqa. You can go for all of you are free. No retribution today. I tell you what the Prophet Yusuf alayhi salam told his brothers. La tathriba alaykumul yawm. There will be no retribution, recompense, revenge on this particular day. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us a lesson. Many of us, cannot do that with our own family members. Many of us cannot do that with our brothers and sisters, our relatives, uncles and aunts, or community members. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness and help us resolve our internal matters. Ameen. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, after having destroyed all the idols, then got Bilal ibn Rabah radiallahu anhu to climb on top of the Kaaba and to call the Adhan. As he called the Adhan, some of the Mushriks of Mecca who were there, they began to comment, look at this man. He was a slave yesterday, and here he is, look at the type of honor that this Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has granted him. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam thereafter addressed the people. He gave them a powerful lecture. The main message was that all people are equal. There is no virtue of any color or race. There is no virtue of anyone because of their wealth or because they do not have wealth. The only virtue is through piety and that is known to Allah alone. So each person must understand. As he read the verse out, Ya nasu, inna khalaqnakum min wa وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا وَقَبَائِلَ لِتَعَارَفُوا إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ خَبِيرٌ O people, we have created you from a single male and a female. And from them we have made you into different clans and tribes, nations and groups in order that you may recognize one another. The verse continues, Indeed the most honored in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is he who has the most piety, the most consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed Allah is the one who knows absolutely everything. Now from this we realize and understand 
the reason why we are given different colors, different shapes, different sizes, different identification is in order to be identified. Imagine if we were all exactly the same, same color, same size, same shape, perhaps we wouldn't have names, we would have numbers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an understanding. Just like the motor vehicles, they've got a name and there are so many with the same name, they need to have numbers now in order to distinguish. So Allah says, look, don't lose the idea. The reason why you have been made different is for purposes of identification. Not for one to say, I am better than the other, I am this and I am that, and this one has been created inferior and so on. So the Prophet says, An-nasu min Adama wa Adama min Turab. The people are all from Adam. And Adam is from the soil, he is from the dust. So everyone is related and everyone... In fact, on that day also the Prophet ﷺ explained something direct. لَا فَضْلَ لِعَرَبِيٍّ عَلَىٰ عَجَمِيٍّ وَلَا لِعَجَمِيٍّ عَلَىٰ عَرَبِيٍّ إِلَّا بِالتَّقْوَىٰ There is no virtue of an Arab over a non-Arab or a non-Arab over an Arab except by piety. And he continued to say, وَلَا لِأَبْيَضَ عَلَىٰ أَسْوَدٍ And no white person can claim virtue over a dark complexion person. No. He says the only difference is piety. So this was a rule that was laid. The people of Quraysh were busy learning. The reason why they were learning, a lot of them had entered the fold of Islam. Some of them were not yet Muslims. And they were watching for the first time this rule of equality that was made manifest in front of everyone. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a deep understanding. And this is why, subhanallah, we need to ask ourselves, when the Prophet ﷺ called them towards goodness, let's take a look at how he wrote the letters to the different leaders. When he wrote the letters to the different leaders a year before that, and even during that particular time he had sent some letters, look at how they responded. Each leader responded differently. And according to their response, they were dealt by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at what Kisra did. He tore the letter. Allah tore his kingdom. Look at what the others did. They decided to respond positively. Allah granted them goodness. Remember one thing. Everyone who entered the fold of Islam, when they became Muslims, Allah gave them something higher than they had had before they were Muslims. All of them. This is why Safiya binti Huyay radiallahu anha, when she was from amongst those who were taken captive on the day of Khaybar, and thereafter, the Prophet ﷺ was told by his companions, she is the daughter of a leader and the wife of a leader. Her husband had died on that day, and her father had been executed well before that. So the Sahaba anhum said, O Messenger, she is not fit for any one of us to take. She's only fit for you. What does that mean? That means her status given before Islam was very high. The only way she will have a higher status through Islam is if you were to take her. She accepted Islam and the Prophet ﷺ married this Jewish lady later to be known as Safiya binti Huyay radiyallahu anha. The Prophet ﷺ used to help her get onto the camel. Subhanallah. In fact, if we were to have some time to go through how he treated his wives, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we would be ashamed of ourselves. Here we claim to be the lovers of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How we treat our women, or how our women treat us, 
compared to what happened with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself in full view of his companions may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and may he grant us happiness today they say when you see people in public you know being all lovey-dovey with one another you should know they don't get along Allahu Akbar they're only showing it out in public because those who really get along don't need to show it out in public this is why when you see people really hugging each other and walking you know in such a way that is actually shameful to be honest with you in public where they are being uh, they are engaging in activity that shouldn't happen except behind closed doors you should know that they are having a problem behind closed doors that is why they are showing it to you here may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the best and the happiest of all homes so they had responded and each one according to their response was treated the question is for me and you we also have a message we have a written message in the form of the Quran and the Sunnah. How did we respond or how do we respond and what type of a recompense do you think we deserve? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who can respond positively. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa whilst he was making tawaf on the day of Fatah, there is a man known as Fudala ibn Umair. He says, I intended to attack Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So I took my sword quietly. He was one of the mushriks of Quraysh. And I was watching him make tawaf. Suddenly he stopped. He looked at me and he said, Fudala? I said, yes. What is your intention? Subhanallah. What is your intention? He says, no, I'm just reading some dhikr. I'm just engaging in some form of worship. He says, Istaghfirillah. Seek forgiveness by Allah or from Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fudala says, I was shocked because no one can know someone's internal intention. Subhanallah. And then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam put his hand. This was a miracle given to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on more than one occasion. He put his hand on the chest of Fudala and said a few words. Fudala says, Wallahi, I told him, O messenger, after being the most hated person on the face of the earth to me a moment ago, you are now the most loved person to me on the face of the earth. And I bear witness that you are indeed the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this was also how some of them were treated. Rasulullah sallallahu knew this man is coming to harm. But at the same time, Allah had granted him very many miracles. Subhanallah, one of them was this. He put his hand on the chest of Fudala. And suddenly you find this man had turned and he, his heart was filled with the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Thereafter, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa remained in Mecca for less than 20 days. Some narrations say he remained for 18 days. Some narrations take it a little, a little bit less than that. And the Prophet ﷺ sent Khalid ibn al-Walid with a little platoon to destroy the idol that was being worshipped known as Al-Uzza. It was a big idol that people used to get around, worship, engage in circumambulation and so on. And Khalid ibn al-Walid was sent to destroy that. On the other hand, Amr ibn al-As was sent to destroy Suwa' which was in a different direction. And that too was an idol that was being worshipped, a big idol that was being worshipped elsewhere. And the Prophet ﷺ sent Sa'd ibn Zayd to destroy Manat. In tonight's verses, we heard these words. We heard the words being recited in Surah Al-Najm. In tonight's verses, and these names were there. Manat and Uzza, they were there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from any form of idolatry and idol worship. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the acceptance to worship Him and Him alone. Then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa something interesting happened. 
he was upon the Mount of Safa, engaging in worship, and he was busy doing whatever he had to, and the Ansar were busy discussing something. They said, the Ansar are the people of Medina Munawwara, they said, this man is now at home, and he has now come to his people. Perhaps he might not return to Al-Madinatul Munawwara. And so the Prophet ﷺ called the Ansar when he heard this, and he told them, Subhanallah, he gave them the news that made them so happy that they began to weep. And this was not the first or the last time that this had happened. It happened again as well, as we will see. The Prophet ﷺ told them, Al-Mahya Mahyakum, Wal-Mamatu Mamatukum. He says, I will live amongst you, and I will die amongst you, the Ansar. They were so happy on that day, knowing that he was now going to return to Al-Madinah Munawwara. They were the ones who opened their doors, they opened their homes. The virtue given to them is great. Inshallah, we will see a little bit later on this evening. Thereafter, the Prophet ﷺ was informed of the people of Thaqif and the people of Hawazin. Remember the, in Ta'if, what happened to Muhammad ﷺ? He was harmed. Not very many years back, he was harmed. And they had chased him out of Ta'if, na'udhu billah, in a very disgraceful way. These people did not want to enter the fold of Islam. They decided, let's prepare a huge army and march on to Makkah. We will tackle Quraysh also. Subhanallah. Now Quraysh had diminished. The idolatry was destroyed completely in Makkah al-Mukarramah. The Prophet ﷺ allowed the people who were not Muslims from Makkah to live in Makkah still because they later accepted Islam. This was part of the wisdom of Muhammad ﷺ, divine revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he heard that these people of Hawazin and Thaqif are preparing 20,000 men to come and attack, this was just after the victory of Makkah. So the Prophet ﷺ decided to ask his companions what should be done. And they said, we will march on to them. Instead of them coming to us, we march on to them. So the Prophet ﷺ instructed the 10,000 men who had come with him to get ready and prepare. They had come with him to Mecca from Medina, made up of Muhajirin and Ansar. And from amongst the new believers of Mecca to Al-Mukarramah, another 2,000 were added. It made a total of 12,000. From amongst them, some were not Muslims yet, such as Safwan ibn Umayyah, Suhail ibn Amr, a few of these. They were not yet Muslim. They were granted the uh, protection of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They were given guarantees of certain people and they had come. Remember Safwan ibn Umayyah was given four months by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We spoke about it yesterday. And he joined the army as well. And all these people joined. Abu Sufyan had joined. He was the leader of the Qurayshis. He had accepted Islam though. And he was now with this army. And they were so many in number, heavily armed, that on that day, a feeling crossed their minds. They started uttering statements, some of them, especially those who were new Muslims. They started saying, today we can never be defeated. Look at our numbers. Take a look at how many we are. Do you think we can be defeated on this day? This was a statement they had made. In the meantime, on the other hand, Malik ibn Auf, Nasri, he was the one who was the leader of Hawazin and Thaqif. He was the leader of that army. And he had prepared his people and told them, and this is something strange, he prepared Hawazin and Thaqif. For your information, Hawazin, 
part of Hawazin was made up of Banu Sa'ad. Banu Sa'ad was the same village that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam had gone to when he was born sallallahu alayhi wasallam where he had been breastfed by Halima to Sa'diya in Badia to Bani Sa'ad. As-Sa'diya was from Banu Sa'ad. And so you find they were also gathered by this man Malik ibn Auf and they were told to come and fight. And they were now preparing to come and fight Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Imagine. And now what had happened? This man decided, the leader of the army, he said, Take all your women and all your wealth and all your camels and all your sheep and let them come with us. So the men, then the women with all the wealth and thereafter the camels and the sheep and we will all go together. So one of the experts whose name was Durayd ibn Simma, this man was an expert in war from amongst them. But because he was very old, he couldn't fight anymore. But he asks Malik ibn Auf, he says, how is it that you are saying everyone must go with everything? He says, so that when they see their wives, when they see their wealth, they will fight hard, knowing that we don't want all these to go away. You see his logic. He's saying, when they see their wives and families and all their belongings, and they are fighting the enemy, they're not going to run away. But if their wives and their belongings are elsewhere, perhaps they will run away from the battlefield. So this Durayd told him, don't do that. Don't do that at all. But... Malik ibn Auf, he was insistent and he said, no ways, I'm definitely going to do that and I'm the leader here. So he proceeded. This all was a plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the meantime, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam marched out with 12,000 men as we had said. As he went out, another interesting incident occurred where we learn from. They saw a huge tree and on that tree, people used to hang certain items. You know, when, you, when they want something, they would perhaps uh, tie a knot and hang it on the tree, or perhaps a ribbon on the tree. Woman wants to get married, she would write something, hang it on the tree. And they say, if you get back there, once you hang it on the tree within a year or within a specific time, your problem is solved. They used to call it Dhatu Anwatin. That means it was a tree with things hung on it. And they used to hang different things on it, believing superstitiously that this tree is going to help us. So when these people who were new Muslims and some of those who were, who were still from amongst the mushriks of Quraysh who had joined, when they saw this Dhatu Anwat, this huge tree, they told Muhammad sallallahu Anwat. We want you to make for us a tree like they have so that we can also hang our things. Now this was because they didn't have knowledge. So the Prophet wasallam said, the statement is wrong and the statement is absolutely unacceptable. It is similar to the statement that the people of Moses, Musa alayhi salam told him when they saw the calf being worshipped by others, they said, We want you to make gods for us or a god for us just like they also have their gods. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, these people, it is very false and wrong what they are engaged in. And indeed, it is absolutely unacceptable what they are doing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
reveals verses. This was connected to the time of Musa alayhi salam, but the Prophet ﷺ repeated it here to refresh the iman of the people to say, with us, none besides Allah can help us. We call out to none other than Allah. This was the whole message of Muhammad ﷺ from day one that you worship none besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so much so that he even said, never ever worship me besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You render acts of worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So this was an incident that had happened and they learned much from it. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us. Thereafter, you find the, the Quran makes mention of how the people had made mention of their numbers and how big they are. Allah says, لَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَوَاطِنَ كَثِيرَةٍ وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنَ Remember Allah has helped you on many occasions. One of them was on the day of Hunayn. Hunayn was this battle they were going to. إِذْ أَعْجَبَتْكُمْ كَثْرَتُكُمْ When you were amused by your great numbers, you were very taken aback by your great numbers, thinking that they are going to help you. فَلَمْ يُغْنِ عَنْكُمْ شَيْئًا They did not help you in any way. وَضَاقَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَرْضُ بِمَا رَحُبَتْ And as broad as the earth is, it became narrow for you. ثُمَّ وَلَّيْتُمْ مُدْبِرِينَ Then you started to retreat, to run away. So what happened? As they were getting towards Hunayn, before they could get to the battlefield, these people had hatched a plan. And that plan was from a small alley or gully, a small area that they were passing through to get onto the battlefield. The enemy began to attack the Muslim army all at once and suddenly raining upon them arrows and spears to the degree that the horses of the Muslims began to go back, confused. And when this happened, you need to remember there are people here who are from Quraysh, who were worried. For them, they could run away because they were worried of their lives. Some of them were fresh Muslims who did not really know much about Islam and others were not yet Muslim, a few of them. And even from amongst the Muslimin, it became quite difficult. So when they started to run away, subhanallah, after they were being, being beaten quite severely, meaning they took a lot of spears and arrows, they were injured, quite a few injuries, they began to go away. What happened to their big numbers? This is what Allah is saying. That look, don't ever, no matter how wealthy, healthy you are, don't rely on your wealth and your health to save you. It's Allah who will save you. Don't rely on your might and don't rely on your figures and so on. No, it's Allah alone who will grant you. Yes, you try your best, but don't become proud and say, No, you see, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us good health and barakah, sustenance, inshallah, that is full of blessings. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from haughtiness and arrogance. So the only one or the one who was the most solid on the battlefield was Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam on his camel. Around him, Abu Bakr, Umar, Ali radiallahu anhu, Al-Abbas, Ibn Abdul Muttalib, and his son Al-Fadl, and a few others were around him. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is calling the rest of them because these people had already started attacking. Unlike what used to happen before where they used to start with a duel, this had started prematurely. People did not even realize before they, uh, they understood what was going on, they were being attacked. This happened in Hunayn. 
And this was the plan of the enemy. This man, Malik ibn Auf, this was his plan. And so the Prophet ﷺ is calling them, but they're not coming. He's calling them at the top of his voice. Perhaps they could not hear. And some of them were busy doing all sorts of other things. And this is when some of the mushriks began to say, Oh, today is the day when Muhammad is going to lose. Na'udhu billah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They started saying, today is the day that Muhammad is going, to is going to lose and the enemy is going to be victorious over these people whom we have come out with. Safwan ibn Umayyah said, no, don't even utter a word. Don't utter a word. Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl, who had entered Islam just a few days before that, he said, never ever will the Muslims lose. Because it is not to do with the numbers, nor is it to do with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it is to do with Allah. And even if today, if they have to retreat, they are going to come back and final victory will definitely be for them. So one of them said, hang on, aren't you the son of Abu Jahl? But just yesterday, just yesterday you were with us and we were busy against this man. Today, it hasn't even been a proper day and you are coming to tell us it's to do with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahal, the son of Abu Jahal. He gets up and he says, Wallahi, we were in ignorance, deep ignorance, worshipping stones and sticks and idols and that which doesn't benefit. And through Allah's mercy, He took us out of that. And now we worship our Maker, the only supreme deity. And He alone is in full control of everything that shall happen on this day. Look at the strength of Iman in a few days. Look at the strength of Iman of this man. Wasn't he the son of Abu Jahl? Abu Jahl, the enemy of Islam, who was executed during the battle of Badr. And this man is the son, Ikrimah. He took part against the Muslims on more than one occasion. And now he is here saying that Allah is in control. Subhanallah. Radiyallahu tabaraka wa ta'ala anhu. May Allah be pleased with him. So this had taught the mushriks a great lesson. They were shocked. They were just watching. And then what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ سَكِينَتَهُ عَلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ وَعَلَىٰ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Then at that point, Allah had sent down the sakina, the peace, the tranquility upon the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as well as the believers. What happened? The Prophet ﷺ told his uncle Al-Abbas, who had a very loud voice, he says, Call out to the Ansar and the people who took part in Bay'atul Ridwan under the tree in Hudaybiyah. Call them. So he called out from the middle of this battlefield in a very loud voice looking at the Muslims who were all doing different things. Some were going away and some were busy doing their own thing, trying to protect themselves from the enemy. And Al-Abbas says, O Ansar, come here. O you who took part in the pledge under the tree, come here. They started coming. Subhanallah. Because now this means something. The Ansar, they have a very high status. And at the same time, those who took part in the pledge under the tree, they had agreed to die without weapons. Subhanallah. On this day they had had weapons. So they all came once again and they attacked the enemy all at once with the help of the angels. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَنزَلَ جُنُودًا لَمْ تَرَوْهَا 
وَعَذَّبَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَذَلِكَ جَزَاءُ الْكَافِرِينَ Allah sent after He sent the tranquility upon the messenger and the believers. He sent an army that you could not see, which means the angels. And the disbelievers were punished, a very severe punishment. And Allah says, that is the recompense of those who disbelieve. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us correct belief and may He make us not from amongst those who receive punishment. In no time the army began to flee. Subhanallah. The enemy began to run away. Now when they ran away, what happened? Their women were all there in the battlefield. All their belongings were there. Every single droplet was there. Their jewelry was there. Their camels were there. Their sheep were there. Everything there. So that was left for the Muslimin. So what they did is, they took all those who were on the battlefield as prisoner of war. And at the same time, they got hold of all the livestock. And the Prophet ﷺ also ordered all the silver that was left. There was a lot of silver jewelry that was left. He ordered all of that to be gathered and to be taken to a place close by known as Ji'rana. Ji'rana was a different place close by, a small little village. And this is where all that which was gathered on that particular day was put. So where did the enemy flee? They did not go back into their homes they split into three different groups. A group from amongst them went to Ta'if. And a group from amongst them went to Nakhla. And the group from amongst them went to Autas. But the biggest group had headed to Ta'if with Thaqif. They entered the fortresses of Ta'if, heavily fortified, huge castle-like structure. That time they used to have walls around their little towns and cities. And they sealed up everything closed it and they had a lot of weaponry waiting in there and they had food enough for a whole year. So they didn't need to come out because they had known how the Muslims operate. Muslims would just surround the place and wait. They would lay siege upon the place and wait. Subhanallah. So what happened? The Prophet ﷺ, after having gathered 24,000 camels, 40,000 sheep, listen to these figures, Subhanallah. 40,000 sheep and 4,000 uqiyah of silver. It's a measurement of silver. Subhanallah. And all this was taken to Ji'rana. Thereafter, these people ran. The Prophet ﷺ sent Abu Amir al-Ash'ari to Autas, which was one of the groups that had gone. He was victorious over them. He lost his life. He was martyred there. And the army came back, the little platoon came back, headed by Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu. But as for the rest of the Muslims, they headed straight to Ta'if. What did they do? When they got to Ta'if, they surrounded the place. Subhanallah. This is the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has indeed favored Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had another miracle. It's important we pause for a moment and make mention of it. He was given this miracle by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He could take a little handful of dust and throw it into the air. And in one moment, everyone in front of him would be rubbing their eyes with dust. Subhanallah. So when the enemy on the day of Hunayn were 
attacking the Muslims and he was in the battlefield, his uncle is calling out the Ansar to come and those who had taken part in the pledge of the tree to come. The Prophet ﷺ, as they came, the war started once again by him taking one handful of dust and flinging it into the air with a dua that he had made, subhanallah. And immediately all the enemies at once, this was a miracle given to Muhammad ﷺ, they were rubbing their eyes. It created a lot of confusion and gave the Muslims an opportunity to counter-attack. And this is when they had lost, the kuffar had lost within a short space of time. So this was also a miracle that is important for us to know because Muhammad ﷺ had used this on more than one occasion. And we've heard about it in these episodes that we have been speaking during this month of Ramadan. Thereafter, when he surrounded Ta'if, subhanallah, they had started attacking the Muslims from their heavily fortified positions with a lot of spears and arrows, to the degree that it was raining spears and arrows. The Muslims from Khaybar, they had had shields, new type of shield, which they started using wooden shields to protect them from arrows and spears. Some of them had had it, some of them did not. So it protected a lot of the lives on that particular day. Although 12 of the Muslimin were martyred during the time of Hunayn and Ta'if. During the time of Hunayn and Ta'if. And what had happened? The Prophet ﷺ, when he saw that these people are heavily armed, he decided we are going to camp here. So today if you go to Ta'if, there is a masjid, the main masjid that is in Ta'if, that was the place where the Prophet ﷺ decided to put up two tents. He had two of his wives with him, Umm Salama and Zainab bint Jahsh radiallahu anhuma, and he put up two tents and he stayed there for a while. And they stayed there for almost 18 nights, according to some narrations around Ta'if. Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu would come out and call over the fort, telling them anyone would like to come for a duel, subhanallah. Because the bravery of the people at the time, they would immediately say yes, and they would come out and fight and attack. And perhaps that might result in something that would make these people come out of their forts. But no one answered him, not one. They didn't want at all. In fact, the leader, his name was Abdi Alil. If you recall that name from amongst those who had attacked Muhammad ﷺ when he went to Ta'if. When the Prophet ﷺ went to Ta'if, he had spoken to him. This man called out and he said, We will never surrender and we are never going to come out. We're going to continue attacking from where we are. And we have food enough to last us for a whole year, so we don't need to come out. You can stay there. And when we are finished up after a year, we will come out and fight until the last man. We're not surrendering. This was Ta'if. The last little stronghold of these people. Ta'if. They had harassed Nabi ﷺ before. Perhaps that might have been one of the reasons why they were very scared to surrender. They wondered what might happen to us. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an understanding. So thereafter Muhammad ﷺ used the catapult that he had had, the cannon. We can call it a cannon that he had had from Khaybar. In Khaybar, they... They had received or they had achieved many weapons from those fortresses in Khaybar. From amongst them were cannons. So the Prophet ﷺ, it says, Nasab al-Manjaniq, which means he set the cannons and he blasted them into this fort in Ta'if. But still these people did not come out. They started sending some different type of weapons as well. Some new type of things. They 
had molten steel which they started throwing out as well which they intended to burn the people and to harm them by and this continued going on until what happened is the prophet sallallahu made an announcement because the muslimin were throwing at them balls of fire from the cannon that they had had so when he called out the prophet sallallahu made an announcement Whoever leaves the fort shall be forgiven and shall be safe. We're not going to attack them. So instead of a few hundred who were there coming out, approximately 20 to 23 came out. Some narrations say 12 and some take it as high as 23, 24. Say 20 of them came out. From amongst them, some were slaves who were in there who were free on that day. They came out free men completely. Later on, they were not even returned to their masters. They were decided, the Prophet ﷺ said, these people are totally free. And from amongst them were some other men who had accepted Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ, after that, he decided to ask his companions, what should we do here with these people of Ta'if? Can we remain surrounding them? So, Nawfal ibn Mu'awiyah, radiyallahu an, he said, do you know what? These people are like, foxes in their holes. For as long as you are waiting here, they're not going to come out. They'll come out sometime. Or if you wait here, you, you might get the day they come out. But if you go away, they're not going to harm you. Which means they're small in number and it's no use. The reason why we are here is because they had planned to attack us with 20,000 people. All that is gone. It's finished. It's destroyed. Our aim and objective is achieved. We have made the statement. They have learned their lesson. They suffered defeat in Hunain. And at the same time, they have run away and they are hiding. So if we would like to go, it wouldn't harm us at all. So the Prophet ﷺ then decided to leave Taif and it was not actually made victorious at that particular time. The Prophet ﷺ decided to then uh, continue and progress to Ji'rana. And on, as he was leaving, some companions told him, O Messenger, make dua against these people. Make dua against these people. Thaqif, the people of Thaqif. Pray against them. This was the second time he was being told that. First time, the angels of the mountains had told him, instruct us, we destroy these people. Second time, his companions are telling him, make a dua against these people. The Prophet ﷺ made a dua. What did he say? He says, Allahumma hdi thaqifan wa'ti bihim muslimin. Oh Allah, guide thaqif and let them come as Muslims to us. Subhanallah. Wallahi, in, in a few months they had come, subhanallah, as Muslims. We will get to that by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But on that day, they were still heavy. And they were still people who wanted to attack. Look at the dua of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. When he was given an opportunity to make dua for destruction, he made a dua, he prayed to Allah, Oh Allah, guide them. Ya Allah, guide them. This is a true leader, subhanallah. His intention is not to destroy. His intention is not to harm. His intention is actually to build and to let people see the light. And he would achieve happiness seeing other people guided to the light. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. Then the Prophet sallallahu got to Ji'rana. When he got to Ji'rana, the place where all the booty had been gathered or the spoils of war, if we'd like to call them whatever was left by those foolish people of Hawazin and Thaqif who had brought their families and their wealth and everything in front ready for the Muslimin, this was all in Ji'rana. The biggest ghunm, the biggest achievement of the Muslims ever in their history up to that particular time. So the Prophet ﷺ, decided to call the leaders of Quraysh. 
who were leaders up to that day, up to the day of Fath, Abu Sufyan. Let's give him something from this. So what was Abu Sufyan given? First thing, he was given 40 uqiyya, which is a measurement of silver. That's a lot of silver. Subhanallah. Because the Prophet ﷺ, when he had gathered anything that was left by the enemy, he distributed it according to the will of Allah and the instruction of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A fifth, he would spend in a specific way. The other four fifths, he would distribute in a specific way among specific people. So first Abu Sufyan, thereafter he was given 100 camels. What's 100 camels? Someone telling you the Mercedes showroom there, 100 of them yours. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, open our doors. Imagine, these people did not expect it. Abu Sufyan was shocked. He said, Wallahi, you are so generous at times of peace and at times of war. Look at this generosity. Because Quraysh did not know that. If, when Quraysh fought, whatever they got was their leaders. Like you have difficulty today. May Allah safeguard us. Some countries are suffering because the leaders are usurping all the wealth and not fair distribution happening. And at the time of Muhammad ﷺ, that was not the case. He was not even bothered about what was his, subhanallah. He wanted to give the people, let life be made easy for them. When they are all happy, they will be able to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a better way. So Abu Sufyan was given. His son Muawiyah and another son of his known as Yazid ibn Abi Sufyan, these were also given exactly the same as their father. Imagine, how much are they being given? 100 camels each, take this. Then comes the famous story of Ji'arana. Don't ever forget the story. Hakim ibn Hizam. He was also one of them. And the Prophet ﷺ told him, here is your share. How much? 40 uqiyya of silver, as well as 100 camels. He says, give me more. The Prophet ﷺ gave him another 40 and another 100. He says, give me even more. The Prophet ﷺ gave him another 40 and another 100. So he had three times more than the others. Then the Prophet ﷺ looked at him. Listen to these words. And says, oh Hakim, I want you to know something. This wealth you have is like a sweet fruit. Something beautiful. That's what wealth is. Wealth is something beautiful. Oh Hakim, if you earn it legally without being greedy, then there will be barakah in it. There will be blessing in it. But any wealth that you have earned out of greed, there will be no blessing in it at all. You need to remember, subhanallah, it is similar to a person who eats and never gets full. When you are greedy, you eat and you're not full. And in fact, you may be physically full, but because of your greed, you want to eat more and more. So you don't feel full. But when you have earned through legal means in a blessed way, you will eat and you will be full. He says, and oh, Hakim, you should know one other thing. The giving hand is far better than the receiving hand. Hakim says, oh messenger, take back whatever extras you've given me. I will suffice with the first share you gave me. And I promise you this is enough for the rest of my life. I'm never going to take again from anyone any shares that are being given to me. Because to be very honest with you, this is sufficient. It is reported that this man lived after Rasulullah He never took anything from the Khulafa. Even that which was due to him, he gave it back. He said, whatever I got on that day in Ji'arana, more than enough for me. Subhanallah. Look at the words of the messenger. Look at how he treated him. And look at how powerful the lesson was for us, subhanallah. We sometimes don't mind usurping wealth 
which is rightfully somebody else's. Allahu Akbar. May Allah protect us. As the hadith says, what are you going to achieve by that? Give it back. Inheritance of people, give it back to them. It's not going to get you anywhere. If anything, you have to pay for it. Remember, every action has a reaction. Allahu Akbar. So if you want to do something wrong, you've usurped the wealth of someone, it has to come back to you in a negative way. It cannot be a means of your blessing and a means of the blessings of your own children and offspring. Sometimes that wealth will be used for something else. Like I normally say, when a person does not take out the zakah and the charity that is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his wealth, Allah removes it from his wealth in another way. Either he has a loss of some nature, or he has a health matter, or perhaps he might have a diff- another dispute, or for example, something happens. This is why we are taught, if you would like to extinguish calamity, you need to be a charitable person. Because the wealth is out, it's gone. If you're not going to take it out, Allah will take it out in a different way. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us generous people, and may He make us realize the giving hand is far better than the receiving hand. So this was a very important lesson. Also from amongst those who were given on that day, Uyayna ibn Hisan, he was given. Al-Aqra ibn Habis was given a lot. These were people of Quraysh. They were given quite a lot. And what happened? Safwan ibn Umayyah was not yet a Muslim. And he was busy looking at one whole herd of livestock. Looking at it. He kept looking at it. The Prophet ﷺ noticed this man's eyes. That he's looking at this herd. The Prophet says, Oh Safwan, would you like that for yourself? He says, yes. He says, that is yours. He was shocked. Shocked. He says, for me, no one has ever honored me as much as I am honored on this day. Imagine he was a leader of Quraysh. They never honored him as much as that. And they say he kept on thinking about what happened on that day until he entered the fold of Islam as a result. Because he said, Islam, I'm not yet a Muslim. I was given four months to think about what to do. And here I am, I'm being given honor and dignity by a man whom we fought, we went out to literally kill. May Allah safeguard us. Look at him. This is the heart of the messenger. Now where is it? When people want to say Islam was spread by the sword, which sword were we talking about? Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. May He make us from those who realize and who learn a lesson. Then you have Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu anhu being instructed by Rasulullah sallallahu to gather all the wealth. And by this time, some people had taken a few small little things for themselves. You see, when there's a huge mountain of stuff, then people might come in, take one thing, put it here, take another thing, put it there. A few of the weak people had come and they did that. The Prophet ﷺ got up and gave a lecture. Anyone who has taken anything without having been given it from this that is in Ji'rana, put it back because you are taking a piece of the fire of Jahannam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. He warned them that if you have taken it, it is something that will be a burden for you and a burden against you. And you will be resurrected with it as a means of punishment instead of a means of your success. It is reported that people started trickling in one after the other, putting back the stuff, putting back. No one looked at them to say, this person is bad and evil. We don't have the names of even a single one of those who did that. Because that was not the aim. The aim was just to get everything back. And everything, mashallah, was back there. And subhanallah, the Prophet ﷺ then distributed in the following way. Four camels and forty sheep for every warrior. And for everyone who was on horseback, three times that. Why three times that? In the Islamic distribution, 
every time a warrior gets one share and the horse gets two shares. So if you are a person, you get one share. And you on a horse, two shares, so you have three shares. The horse is given double the share of the individual. The owner of the horse who allowed his horse out gets a double share of the person who was walking or the person who did not have a horse. Subhanallah. This is because the power of the Arab stallion is such that on its own, people did not want to give their horses sometimes. Because obviously, you know, when someone has a cause and we, we want to travel, for example, say from here to Medina Munawwara, and we say, right, who can give us their latest motor vehicles, all four by fours, please park them out there. We're going to select 20 of them and we're going to go. It needs a heart to come and bring that four by four in front there. May Allah grant us goodness. And believe me, if it is there, you deserve a double reward because the people on it or in it, they have benefited from it in a bigger way than had they not had it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us an understanding. Same applies to the Arab stallion. Perhaps today, up to this day, those Arab stallions on the globe, they are much more valuable than the vehicles we drive. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a deep understanding. They had had power. And on the day of war, just by looking at these Arab stallions, the enemy were already frightened. So this is why the Islamic share, it was one share for a man and two shares for the horse. If the horse was owned by the man, he would have three shares in total. If there were horses belonging to someone else, the two shares would go to the owner of the horse. So the Prophet ﷺ then, when he distributed all this as he is giving, one man says, this distribution is very unfair. A'udhu Billah. One man from amongst the mushriks, he says, this distribution is highly unfair. The Prophet ﷺ says, and who is going to be just if I am not just? Which means the height of justice you ever would get is with Muhammad ﷺ. And the Prophet ﷺ was then faced with two of his companions, Umar ibn al-Khattab and Khalid ibn al-Walid. In fact, the man who uttered these words was not a mushrik, he was one of the Muslims. One of the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ, when he was faced with his two companions, Umar ibn al-Khattab anhu and Khalid ibn al-Walid, they said, can we execute this man for such blasphemy? And he said, no, perhaps he reads salah. Listen to the answer. Perhaps he reads salah. So Khalid ibn al-Walid says, and how many people who read salah, they utter with their mouths what is not in their hearts. So the Prophet ﷺ uttered a historic remark. He says, I have been not ordered, I have not been ordered to open the hearts and to search what is in them. Done. Subhanallah. The fact that the man is reading salah, it's enough, he's one of us. Allahu Akbar. I have not been instructed to open the hearts and to search them. That is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. This also, the reason why I have mentioned it here is because it is a great lesson for us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. Then there was something that had happened. The Ansar, on that day of Ji'rana, they were watching. They did not receive anything on that day. It was all given to the people of Quraysh and some of the Muhajireen and various others. And everything was getting depleted. And what happened? They uttered a comment. Look, everything is being given to the Muhajireen and Quraysh. And we as Ansar have received nothing. Some of them were upset. When the Prophet ﷺ heard this, he asked for them alone, without anyone else, him and the Ansar, just them. So they gathered and everyone else was told to leave. He gave them a talk, a lecture, 
that made them weep to the degree that their beards were wet as though someone had put water or poured water on them. What did he say? He said much. He said a lot on that day. He said, Oh Ansar, you are becoming upset with something material. Some small wealth of this dunya is making you happy. What have I got? Look at what he had had. Nothing. Subhanallah. He says, you are getting upset because of a little bit of wealth. Can I tell you something? And obviously I'm cutting it short. I'm not giving you the whole lecture. But he says, let me tell you. The people have gone away. The people are returning to their homes with camels and sheep. And you will return to your homes with the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. What more do you want? They began to weep. They began to cry. What greater gift of Allah can there be? Imagine if people were to tell you, listen, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, may Allah open our doors. Let me word it differently. What an honor it would have been if we were living in their midst and we were told the messenger is coming to your home. Subhanallah. What an honor it would have been. Forget about everything in the world. That would be the honor. That would be the thing to actually cry for. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors and grant us goodness. So this was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He spoke to them in such a way telling them they will go home with, their, with a little bit of this dunya. They will go home with their camels and sheep. And as for you, you will go home taking the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they cried, they wept so much. And they said, we are very happy with the decision of the messenger. However you have decided to distribute this wealth, you know best we have surrendered to it and we are happy with it. Subhanallah. Although they went without getting anything on that particular day. What they got was far bigger than the material wealth of the dunya. They got Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To this day, Al-Madin al-Munawwara is known as Al-Madin al-Nabawiyya, the city of the messenger. Because he went back with them. Had he not gone back with them, it would not have been having that name today. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. In fact, had he not passed away in Madina Munawwara, would we really have been going there? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. It is through Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's living in Madina Munawwara that the masjid was built. And that the masjid was granted such a high level. And therefore, the masjid was granted a level where the messenger says, Salatun fi masjidi hadha afdalu min alfi salatin fi ma siwah illa al-masjid al-haram. One prayer in my masjid here is better than a thousand prayers anywhere else except the Masjidul Haram in Makkatul Mukarramah. So this was given the virtue. Hence, we find ourselves going there and we find the peace and tranquility in al Madinah Al-Munawwara. Now we make mention of a few interesting points before we close for this evening. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us a lesson from this. Hawazin had lost its women and it has lost it's wealth. Two things were gone. Women and children gone. Wealth gone. Who told them to bring the women to the battlefield? They were gone. Now the Prophet ﷺ, as was the norm at the time, he would distribute all these women to be looked after by various companions because you cannot have a few thousand all at once in one place. He distributed them. And they were all given to many of the people, the Qurashis, the non-Qurashis, the people in Makkah, the Muhajireen, the Ansar, everyone had to take care of so many. Subhanallah. These were known as Sabi, the, the prisoners of war, those who were captive. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. So, Hawazin, after some days, it's a, few, a bit more than 10 days, whilst they were in Ji'rana, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa received a committee or a team of people that came from Hawazin. They built up the courage, they went to the messenger. They said, we have come to you. Firstly, remember one thing. You were breastfed in Banu Sa'd. Look at how they are starting. They want to strike a chord there. You were breastfed in Banu Sa'd. So those who are captive, mothers, sisters, aunts, relatives, these are the ones who are captive. So we are here to plead with you to release them and to give us back our wealth. We are related to you. Look at this. Related to you by what? Foster relation. But a few moments ago you were fighting us. Allahu Akbar. So they said we have come here to declare our Islam. You see one of the reasons why they were being so hard on what they used to believe is because one of the reasons is they didn't know how they would be treated having had attacked Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in person in the most disgusting way when he was in Ta'if. So here they are asking. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Look, I was waiting for you. And I knew you would come. As for all those who are in... In fact, I ask you one question first. You choose between your wealth or your women. We are giving you one of the two. You can't have both. So they decided, okay, we'll take our women back. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. I was speaking to a youngster earlier today. And he told me, you know what? Some people have so many marital problems. They would probably say, we'll take the wealth, leave the women. May Allah protect us. I hope that's not the case. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open our doors. So he, he says, we will take our women, leave the wealth. So the Prophet wasallam said, as for the women who are with us, myself and Banu Abdul Muttalib, we will give them back to you here and now, take them, gone. And as for the rest, you need to get up. After Salat al-Dhuhr, I'm going to read Dhuhr just now. After Dhuhr, get up. Tell the people, we are believers, we have believed in Allah and His Rasul, we are here, we are seeking forgiveness, the Messenger has forgiven us, and at the same time, we have pleaded for our women to be given back, so, so please can you give them back, the Messenger has already given them back to us from him and Banu Abdul Muttalib, and we are pleading for the same from everyone else. So when they made that announcement, all the Muhajireen and Ansar returned all the women. But a few of the people of Quraysh, for them it was the first time. They decided we're not returning these. So what the Prophet ﷺ did, look at the most merciful. He said, okay, I will buy them back from you. Subhanallah. And he bought them back from them. And he then gave them back to these people of Hawazin who had accepted Islam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about this. Subhanallah. With the blessed lips of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These people were extremely grateful for what had happened on that day. The Prophet ﷺ said, there is only one thing that I'm going to do. The family of Malik ibn Auf, the leader of that army in Hawazin, must remain here. They will be living in a very good condition, but we want Malik himself to come and collect them. Malik must come himself to collect them. He was the leader of the army. So they said, look, Malik has run away to Thaqif. We will send a message to him and we will tell him. Now Thaqif in Ta'if, they were in that fort. Remember the messenger had left them. 
And what happened when they sent the message to Malik that this is what happened to us. We all got our families back. We're happy, we're excited. No one was harmed, no one was hurt or injured. We lost our wealth because we decided to fight and it was already distributed. Perhaps had we gone there before the distribution, there might have been something else. Subhanallah. But they got there after the distribution already. Malik ibn Auf immediately, he hid. He slipped out of Thaqif and he ran straight to Ji'arana and he went, O Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I have come to you and I am pleading with you to give me my family. The Prophet sallallahu returned his family to him. He accepted Islam. Looked at the honor, the dignity that Islam had given him. He was not harmed, yet he was the leader of the enemies. His family was returned to him, yet he was the leader of the enemies. And the Prophet ﷺ thereafter used him as one of the leaders who were sent to his own people of Hawazin. And subhanallah, later on, he became one of the ambassadors of Rasulullah ﷺ to his own place. Inshallah, we will get to that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the opportunity. So this subhanallah was how the Prophet ﷺ spent his days in Ji'arana, approximately 13 days after which he wore his ihram in Ji'arana. And he proceeded to Mecca by night. He made Umrah at night and he left at night to return to Medina Munawwara. This was the end of the wars of the inter-Arab warfare that was taking place at the time. The little tribes, each one fighting each other. It stopped after this day. They were only a few skirmishes. All the huge armies had entered the fold of Islam. And subhanallah, you take a look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave one victory upon another. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened their door, their doors. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam returned to Al-Madin Al-Munawwara after approximately two and a half months. Inshallah, tomorrow we will continue with the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It is drawing to an end and it brings tears to the eyes to think that subhanallah, we are reading and the book is now, or the books are now getting to the end. And one wonders, Allahu Akbar, we have read the seerah, we know about the seerah. Has it affected our lives? Has it changed us? Has it made us better people? If it has, we are the winners. If not, we stand to lose. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallahi wa bihamdih. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.